Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. I'm really excited to have Arita Ferentz, who is a educator, forest school leader, and community development specialist. She's coming all the way from Australia. I'm really happy to have you on the show. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh, this is great. I am curious, where in Australia, I know it's a very large country with a lot of land and territory, where are you coming from? And tell us a little bit about your area. Firstly, it's custom here in Australia where we acknowledge traditional custodians of the land. Mm -hmm. So that also answers your question. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, the name of the country that we're meeting on today is the Yugambe and Yagara speakings land, speaking people's land. And that spans pretty much from Brisbane, Australia, right down to the southeast coast, all the way down to the Gold Coast. And the names change as the countries change in that area. And I, I always wish to pay my respect to the elders, uh, past, present, and the elders emerging in the future, our future leaders in our Indigenous communities. And yeah, it's really important to, especially as a forest school educator, to pay our respect so that families in our programs can really nurture and look after our beautiful waterways and our lands. Yeah, so that's where we're meeting today. And in recent years, it's called Logan. So Logan is hard to describe where we are. We're on the coast. It's a big city, actually. But for those that haven't been to Australia before, let's just say we're north of Sydney. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes it a little bit like people can then maybe picture it if they've been there or they can see a map and know what that is. Yeah. Uh, that's excellent. Yeah. So what is the land like out there? Is it tropical? Is it desert? Is it, I know along the coast that I see a lot of times in when I watch my family, we watch a lot of like Australian TV shows, which really we really enjoy. But it's interesting because sometimes it looks almost like California because it's very desert and dry. And then also you have the ocean right there. Look, it's it's the landscape's really diverse. It's mm -hmm. you can't say it's one which way. I grew up in central Victoria in the south. So it was dry, super hot in the summer, really like flat land and lots of open big skies and small communities on the coast and then these really barren, like sparse landscapes with mountain. It's it, right. Australia's got everything. It's so diverse. And then when you come up the coast here, of course, you have that increase in humidity and sure. big rains. We just had huge rains. I'm not sure if it reaches your news, but we get floods easily twice a year. Like it's not unusual to experience a massive wet season. So it's basically like dry and wet alternating throughout the year. And then, yeah, we just have all seasons in one day sometimes. And it's just crazy. It's a very, yeah, it's a very unpredictable place. <laughs> I remember we were talking earlier about the temperatures. It gets, it gets pretty warm there in, at certain times. I know there's that, there's this idea that people will say in forest school, or outdoor education, forest education, they'll say something like, oh, there's no such thing as bad weather, <laughs> bad clothing or whatever, bad gear. But yeah, is that true in, where you live? It's Look, I, I remember that being a very inspiring quote when I first started Bush Kindergarten years ago. And I was like, oh, that's so inspiring. I can't wait. Just get out there in all weather. And of course we aim to, but the reality is it's not true. You can have right. some days where it's just, I think recently we hit, I'm not, not sure it is in Fahrenheit, but we hit 42 degrees Celsius and 100% humidity. So you walk outside and you just get smacked in the face by water right. um, in the air. You can't breathe. Children can't play comfortably because it's literally just too hot and you just your skin will burn. And if you don't have a really lovely cold creek and lots of shade, there's just no way you could tolerate that heat. And same in the winter. Yeah, look, I, I'm not going to talk about the, the winter as much because yeah. I know you guys get it really cold. But the coldest oh. we used to get in the south in bush kindy times when I was down there, we'd still go out when it was like just, again, not sure what it is for you, but it would be like one or two degrees Celsius and we'd still rug up and get out there. We make it happen, but yeah. And that can switch like within a few minutes. Yeah. So you just, that's just, it just becomes freezing. part of it. Cold. Yeah, that's really cold. Yeah. So yeah, 42 is like 107. It's like almost 108 degrees 
and then with the humidity, it, it's Ugh. oftentimes they rate it much higher. So it might be like sure. 115 or something. And yeah, that's, I, it's a lot of times people, like you say, will mention, oh yeah, it's fine or we can be okay. But some of these, mm -hmm. some of the weather, the extreme weather can really impact like our heart and our breathing and, and especially children, there mm -hmm. is a tendency for them to maybe get heat stroke or have any of those heat related illness. They could get that very quickly. And those things are not easy on your body. Like it's not good to get hypothermia. It's not good to get heat stroke. Yes, you can recover, mm -hmm. but it's, it isn't, it's puts a lot of stress on us. So I totally hear that. And yeah, we don't get as much humidity here in the summertime, but we barely, yeah. we usually get like maybe two or three days that are not in the high nineties, which is probably like 35 or something, but yeah, it, it's, it's really funny hard. here. Yeah. It's very, it's funny because we still talk about it a lot. It's mm -hmm. almost every year it comes around and we're like, oh, gee, it's hot. And it's, <laughs> it's, we should know by now as Australia, it's going to be really hot. And we still talk about it like it's new. Isn't that true? It just makes yeah. us laugh every time. It, I find and it's good. Like the children laugh with us and we just, we use humor to get through it. We do that with the cold. Like around here in where I live in upstate New York and we are on Mohawk territory originally here as well. Just want to acknowledge that. But what I want to say is that you get cold days. You can get days where it's like below zero, 10, where it, it's maybe, I think this week it's going to be like four degrees, which is wow. not below zero, but it's close. And yeah. when it gets really cold, everyone's, oh my gosh, it's so cold. We have to get ready and we have to be careful and everything, which you, you do. You want to make yeah. sure that your pipes don't freeze, that cause thousands of dollars in damage and everything. But it's really only for about four days and then it's, and then it warms up again. And then you might have another time for two days. So it's not for the entire year. If you live in the desert someplace, it's a hundred, it's 42 every day. So it's not well, like. Well, that actually, that brings right? me to mention that Australia is huge physically mm -hmm. and so diverse and multicultural and there's so many incredible nature play providers here we have various names for the schools here we say forest schooling we say bush kindy we say nature play there's a lot of mixture what i do is a real mixture so i have elements of traditional forest schooling but also this modern kind of take on being outdoors but also bring you know classroom elements outdoors so messy play and Yep. working on project-based work like Reggio Emilia style and that project-based approach. But I guess what I'm saying is that there's just so many bush kindy providers in Australia. We're so lucky. And they're all, there's beach kindy. You can be on the beach. You can right. be in the creeks. You could be doing programs in the snow. So very lucky country for choice, absolutely. And being on this show is such a privilege too because I not only because I, I'm very lucky to chat to you, but also just to really highlight the fact that there's so many incredible, like all my colleagues up and down the coast that are doing this wonderful work way longer than I have been up here. So I've only lived here for four years, but when I was doing the work in the South, I didn't know about all these providers up here. So now that I'm doing right. the work up here, I'm meeting people. It's a really strong network. And um, yeah, just wanted for the listeners to know that there's just a thousand. I think last time there was a count, we're in the thousands now for providers here of outdoor education and specifically for our schooling. So it's wonderful to see. Wow. That's and awesome. it's, yeah, it's unreal. And it's it just testament to the culture of people giving everything a go down here and making it happen. Like I take my hat off to people who run bush candy on a nature strip where you've got cars and freeway, and but you've got that green space and you make it happen for that those children. So, mm -hmm. so incredible. But yeah, just a side note. Yeah, no, that's really true. And I'm, I've been very excited because I started doing this in 1989, studying nature and wilderness skills, which is a long time ago. And mm -hmm. what's really emerged in the last maybe 15 years or so, maybe 20 years, is that there's this uh, this growing movement. And a lot of it is really anchored by women and mm -hmm. women who are professional and they mm -hmm. are taking their time and getting the right certifications and they're building a connections in a community. They're not... Mm -hmm. A lot of the people, when I first started teaching wilderness skills, Many of the other, my fellow wilderness people, mm. very transient, very much like 
driving around in a pickup truck, <laughs> very mobile, not necessarily connected to a community, but more independent maverick kind of yep. thing. And very, oh, I, we don't want to be tied down <laughs> to one thing. And I remember- There's still benefits to that, I'm sure. There, there is, but there's something about something that says, hey, I'm here, I'm going to build this, I'm going to get to know each other. The, there's a real power to that community. And we can see that because it's growing. It's probably growing 10 or 15% every year, which is it's really inspiring. It's so inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just having a thought about what you were saying about being mobile, I think. And even like the fact that, because I have a lot of friends, male friends that are in like outdoor education, which is a whole another sector that bridges the forest schooling world. And then mm -hmm. I come from an early childhood teacher background. So it always fascinates me that, like you said, it's quite dominated by women, but then there's this, yeah, it's, I'm learning a lot. I think I think the more and more it expands, will yeah, will it becomes more blended and yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've been really excited to learn about all these different groups. So that's been one thing that is a positive side effect for mm -hmm. my podcast, getting to meet people like you and getting to peer into your world and seeing what is it like to do the work you do. Tell me a little bit about what your daily life is like or what your the spectrum of things that you offer and and how does that go how does it work for you <laughs> um, sure it's been a really interesting time for me actually so in the past I was working from kindergarten so I'd have 27 four-year-olds with four staff and two volunteers and we'd go to the same place whether we'd walk or the parents would drop them off and we'd have creek play and whatnot and then moving up here COVID came around and similar right. to I think it was Sharon Cortez mentioned that COVID brought about a lot of outdoor explore, exploration for her I remember in your last or second last interview and I, I could really relate to that because moving up here it was pretty isolated and then yeah long story short I was like I want to get back into bush kindy and I started making connections and did wonderful work with community groups up here and started developing what we call bush play groups so parents and caregivers and all age children can attend I don't have any restrictions because we have quite a few homeschoolers up here as well and basically we've been growing the communities around Logan. So there weren't many providers. There's a bit of a lack of support in that area up here. So I saw a need for it and it was out of my hands. Like it took me and it just pulled me and it was like a calling. It sounds a little bit corny, but it was like, okay, I've got some skills. I've got time. People want connection. People are craving to be outside because we've been locked up. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to apply for funding. I want it to be free. So my values are that, look, no disrespect to people who charge. I have run programs where I charge and I think there's more than adequate to do that. But in the scenario that I'm in here, I'm just like, let's apply for grants and get money and make it accessible. And a day might look like we meet, we gather, we sit in circle, children ranging from little bubbers who have just, we had a six week old. We've had great grandparents come. We've had four generations in one day where great grandpa was playing the ukulele and then his daughter and her daughter and then daughter below him. So it was just wow. like so beautiful to see. <laughs> and I love those moments where it's just so, so diverse and everyone's just bringing their knowledge and skills together and making friendships. And it really is that beautiful. Like I have to pinch yeah. myself and I'm like, this is actually what it's all about and it's it's very different to what I'm used to because in the past I've focused more on the skills and the knowledge the children are engaging in and learning and obviously yeah because their parents aren't there we're uh, we're facilitating a very in a very different way but in this way I'm a bit more of a connector so I'm yeah I'm there to lead but I'm also there to learn and I, my best moments are like when families take that lead and when I do acknowledgement to country for family a family member would say to me I'd like to do it in my language I'm like great I welcome that or oh, if a child great. is let's do it this way I'm like ah oh, take the baton go for it and just that empowerment, seeing people over time coming out of their shell and bringing more family members like cousins and then, oh, I know someone down the road who would love this and just building that community. I could talk about it for hours. I love yeah. it. It's super inspiring and 
that's what I do. And we've got three sites now. So we move, we don't move around heaps, but we might go on bushwalks or visit a different site if need be. But generally we're in the same place because I don't need to preach to the converted. Mm -hmm. Revisiting a same place is great for seeing the seasons change and for having that connection to the land. Really lucky and just expanding it. It's just awesome and people are on board. I've got a mum at the moment sewing the vests for us. It's just super cool. It's super cool. Yeah, it's interesting in different countries, some of them have more uh, of an emphasis on a, at a policy level where they will say, we're going to make grants available because yeah. they look at some of these things and say, hey, there's problems that are going on, but we don't necessarily know the best way to solve them. But we do know mm-hmm. that if we invest money in these things, it's it saves us for every dollar you spend doing that, you might save $20 having to put somebody a program or a group home or whatever. There's just so many ways that these types of programs can help us. But I can imagine in the United States, I, I know that some areas have funding that are, is available, but you really have to know how mm-hmm. to get those grants, how to look for them, make a connection to the people providing those and make sure everything's perfect. And Mm -hmm. so that can be really challenging for someone who maybe is just, I just like playing with kids in a creek and having fun. I don't really Mm -hmm. know how to do that. So the fact that you are willing to write those grants or make those long-term connections is what's letting all of this be possible, really. So that's the, this is what I want to champion. Like, I know it's, we could be talking about all the benefits, but I'm just saying that you're, what you're doing is, is something that needs to be championed and multiplied. And it's not that hard. I know a lot of people are really resistant to sitting in front of a computer, mm-hmm. researching stuff, going downtown to meet with someone. But they're all just people, right? Look, I have that moment at least once a day where I'm like, it's too hard and (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like it. And I just want to play and just not have to do the work and self-doubt and all that normal stuff that people experience where they're struggling. But what gets me out of bed to do it is like the fact that families come back and say how grateful they are that I've made it possible and then open up and share what skills they can bring to it. And then initiate maybe doing the next one. So Mm -hmm. the idea is, is that if I'll backtrack slightly. So originally I was like setting up what I called the, the bush play network. And it was so parents could meet up and actually be with like-minded people and just hang out. Right. Because when I did surveys and questions for the community to find out what was lacking, it wasn't actually that they didn't want to, because a lot of people think that children are on iPads because their parents don't want them outside. It's not true. It's they they want their children outside. They just don't have anyone to do it with. And you, to jump in the car with your kids and go for a big drive out bush is not that easy really because it might not be safe. So that came up a lot, like safety, especially mum with a couple of kids out in the middle of the wilderness Yeah, and there might not be any toilets. I don't know. There's just barriers. Sure. There's so a lot of things if that I you can, have to deal with. Yeah, so many things. And then just that emotional support of having company. So it came yeah. up a lot, just not having company and not knowing who to ask. And I felt that as a mum. So I was like, we're in COVID. I've got two kids. My husband's working. I don't know where to go. And there's just this incredible array of green spaces. And I spoke at a conference and talked about this a couple of years ago and was just like, this is just such a beautiful place. Like, why are we in it? Why are we experiencing the, the wonder of it? And yeah, just it led me to then look into it more. It motivated me. Those that don't have the time, I've, I'm very privileged in the fact that I can make time to, to put those applications together and get the money and, and help facilitate and then might inspire others and just grow it. Right. Now, do when you apply for a grant, I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying to get technical, but I'm just curious. That's all good. Yeah, yeah. Is there, do they require in Australia that you say, that you make a claim about our work? I think that's something that's a barrier for people. They go, oh, people go, oh, why are you doing this? How is it helping? Why should we give you money? And people yes. will say, oh, it's resilience or, oh, it's uh, creative play or risky play or whatever. Sure. Which are code names that educators who do this work, they love that and they go, that's what we do. But to somebody maybe offering that grant, that may not be the language they want to hear. So 
So then there's it's this not. idea of <clears throat> how do you say it in a language they understand? Because what they might maybe looking at is, oh, how can we, you might be doing, it might, they might see what you do as community development, not Definitely. environmental education. Like they could care less about whether the kids know the names of every butterfly or every tree. They want to know, is this kid going to get on the right track? to definitely support you have to it think big. grow yes definitely think big I'd love to run and I think we mentioned this last time we spoke and it was really inspiring that you said that it would be good to run some form of online Q&A training uh, yes. module just to flesh out what works and what doesn't in terms of applying for these types of funding I'm not going to say it's a rule book because every organization is different and then yes. funding bodies are different and there's definitely going to be times where, and I've had times where my requests have been rejected. I'm not, definitely no guru in this topic, but <laughs> it's not yeah. like I've just, it's the right time, right place. And I know enough about the area. And I think things that stand out are things like exactly what you said. If you focus on specifics, it's not going to work. It has to be broad. It has to be about even things like just building. Well, it's not really building. It's more like inviting people to the area. Yeah. So it's really appealing. Like when you go to buy a house or you rent a property or you want to see there's other families with children in the street. Yes. If you have kids, if you have kids. Yeah. I'm very much in the world of young families with children. I know there's mm -hmm. people that don't want that. But in that scenario, when you're applying for a grant, it's about um, bringing people outdoors, getting into the parks, being active, neighbours making friends, people feeling supported. Right. Things like reducing the risks that are in our communities that do lead to more and more isolation and, yeah, just I won't go into it, it's a bit doom and gloom, but yeah. just generally feeling connected. And I think that that research I did do because I was really lucky I was working in a position where I could do a lot of community connection and learn about the area, um, put me on the right foot. And I think the other thing would be also just how you sell it, like the wording you get really after a while, you get to know what, yeah, what works. And it's just, it's very specific to your area. And I think that if you're confident in what you do and you're passionate and that shines through as well, like it really mm -hmm. shows because you really care about it. But there's two barriers that are like more technical, which is that you generally need to have insurance. Yeah. And you also, if you don't have insurance or an ABN, Australian business number, or if you do have an Australian business number, either way, you generally need to have an auspice. So you have to be connected to a community organization or someone who's going to vouch for you and provide support. So that can be a huge barrier for people because I've got the idea. I just need the money to make it happen, to pay someone to run it, to bring the gear, to pay for the fuel, you know, cook some food, whatever you're doing. Yeah. But you just can't tick that box to say you don't you just don't have that support so again sure. I'm extremely fortunate to have organizations that support me so first step is to be out there in the community and network just network a lot to yeah. learn who's out there and who wants to support your passion and yeah it helps because people vouch for you and it's really good that's a hundred I found that to be a hundred percent true and one of the ways we got started at Hawk Circle was we would see a festival. So they would say, oh, we had an Otsego Lake. We have a beautiful lake near us. And they had a festival for a few years and they called it the Lake Festival. And so we said, we'll come out there and we'll provide a little portable campfire. We'll let kids roast something over the fire. We'll do some crafts. We'll just hang out with the kids. And I didn't really think that much about it, but me and the staff that I had at the time, we were there from nine o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night. The parents oh. wanted to go home. They were like, let's go. You've been here for four <laughs> hours. And every time they would be ready to go, we'd say, oh, do you want to learn how to make a piece of rope out of natural fiber plants? Mom, let's, let me stay. Let me stay. <laughs> and, and so we were really popular. And every time there were other people that were noticing that we were mm -hmm. attracting people to the festival and that we were keeping them there for two, three, four hours. And yes. so we got invited to go to a ton of festivals. And so we tried to go to as many as we could. And that got right. us exposed to people who run programs for children. And then the many of these people are people that I would never really go and visit or get to know them because of the way my world was different. And we were two different circles. But those are people that are, their job is to do that work in helping children get outside and helping families 
when you're turned outward into the community and networking, then mm -hmm. you're it's the opposite of that isolation and mm -hmm. anxiety and depression and <laughs> addictions yeah. and everything else. So it's like the complete opposite. So there's a lot of people that are stakeholder that are company. They're like, hey, I run this government office that's designed to do this stuff, but you're yeah. doing it. How can you come and help me look good? If you if I exactly. team up with you and I can get you a grant for five thousand dollars and you could come out for two days and do something. Now I can turn around and tell my people, hey, look, I did something and it actually people showed up. I think, um, I, yes, I think you're spot on. And as you're saying, and I'm like, my brain's going to like joining the dots. Yes. And I, yeah, definitely. It's people at the end of the day in their roles need to fill their job. They need to complete what their task is. And if they can have people that yes. it's not a bad thing, but make them look good. And yeah, why not? Let's do yeah. it. It's like win-win. That's right. I'm fine with it. Give me your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. But what's interesting is that many times here in the States, I have heard people say, oh, I would never want to work with the, the public school system. Oh, they don't know. They, they use the word they, like mm. they don't care about kids or, oh, the office of the early childhood. Oh, they don't different get departments. Like, yeah. So they they put this barrier up and say those people don't mm. get it, and we would never like they're like enemies almost. And I'm the other way around to say, I can understand why you might feel that way. Yeah. However, you're being setting your ways, thinking that may have been true ten years ago, but chances are right now, like where I live, almost every government agency has people mm. who are. 30 years old in or 35 mm -hmm. years old running it. And they are much, much younger and they are much more open to anything. So yeah. um, that was what Look, Dave I Alexander, I, I interviewed a guy, David Alexander, who is just an amazing educator, naturalist. And he worked yeah. for the, the department of recreation in New Jersey. And he's, what are you guys doing? work for the government we the government wants to do all these things mm -hmm. it's it's not 20 years ago we're here now they get it they're understanding they want this and that is that really turns it on its head for people yeah. like me that are older who remember when you would be laughed at if you went and said hey i want to work for the department yeah. of conservation they would be like we don't want you we don't know what you do but they're different now. It's different. So I, I really urge people to really network too, just like what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah, I, I really appreciate what you're saying because for me, like at the end of the day, it's about what are the outcomes for the community? Yes. It's, yes. It, it just means that I can keep doing what I love. I can hopefully inspire people. I can bring people together, make that gap smaller. And um, yeah, just yeah. I, honestly, yeah, I have moments where I'm like considering who I talk to. I'm definitely not. Yeah, it's hard to talk about. I don't. Yeah, but I don't think that I don't think that people need to worry too much about it. I think it's just it happens naturally is what I'm trying to get at. And when it feels right and natural, it just flows. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you just go with it. Yeah, that's the, the other thing that I think sometimes people will do in forest schools or nature programs is they will think, oh, that there's a lot of claims that you can make, right? Like you can say, oh, forest school makes kids smarter or makes kids more resilient or makes kids. And, and then I look at that and say, okay, I agree with that in a lot of ways. But the more you say that, the more you then also feel like, how would you prove that? How would you yeah. demonstrate that? And the bar might really be, hey, give me a grant. I'm going to get people together, come out for a campfire, come out for a yeah. community gathering. And the bar might be, hey, they showed up three times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> We're not necessarily, you're not going out there and giving them an IQ test or yeah. trying to measure how much more creative they are, which is a bar you can't easily do. But you can say, hey, they showed up. Hey, we infer from that. And they participated for three hours in this type of play, which is which we know is good. So that's it. It doesn't have to be this bar where you're making these like big wild claims. Maybe you just have to ask them, what is it that you guys would like to see? And can I do that? Yes, I can. You know, thanks. It's thanks so true. And it's how you measure success. And like being on the, the flip side as a participant in things, when I reflect as a woman, as a whatever you want to say, when you look at your own self and how you view something and how you see something, 
for me personally, when I attend something, generally what I come away with is something more about the relationships or how I feel when I leave or sure, like I may have learned something and it might have been really interesting, but generally it's, was I welcomed? Was I, did I feel supported? Did I feel included? Do I want to come back? So measures of success are really fascinating. I've had parents that have said things to me that I would never expect. There was one mum who genuinely wanted to thank me because she had a visual impairment and her daughter and her had lost her husband not long before. And her daughter was four years old and she'd been experiencing a lot of anxiety naturally. And she played really well for solid probably two hours, at least three or four metres away from her mum. And her mum just thanked me because she enjoyed being able to hear her daughter play. So like the laughter and could tell she was comfortable and secure mm-hmm. and then I was nearby so I could be there and have conversations and and guide her child as well and she had other parents there that could it was just a nice atmosphere and I think she just really wanted to share that with me that they really needed it and it was, it was the first time in a long time that she didn't have her child physically on her Cling- clinging yeah, yeah which yeah. would be a natural reaction to what they've been through and also the, her mother's impairments, little moments like that. And I'm just like, that's not about the fact that she was using her fine motor skills and exactly pra- whittling. I'm, right. I'm not, I love it when children successfully whittle and Absolutely. saw wood and make incredible creations and climb trees. I love it to bits. And I love right. the, the, the technical side as well, but for the emotional impact for that family, that was a huge win. Yes. Um, and I just hope that that rippled through her. Look, she might not think of it again. I'm not saying it was like mountain moving mountains, but it was just a nice moment and just to yeah. go, okay, cool. I did that right. today. And we'll be I back. didn't do it on my own. It was a whole group. We yeah. couldn't have done it on my own, but I certainly gave myself a pat on the back to be like, I created a moment that was, that lended itself to that happening. And that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I've got a bunch of stories like that, that just like, people bring like food from home that they've baked and they want to share it with the group again like I mentioned before when people offer their home language to teach traditionally indigenous language to their peers when people can't show up they'll make an effort to visit that person back at their house to make sure they're okay if I can't show up because my daughter's sick or something they still show up because they know other families will come yeah it's just that community-led experience where people feel empowered to to show up yeah and be a champion as well and if I get put out of a job then I've done well yes not a great business model (laughs) it's not like there's a shortage of people that need this I'm pretty sure you'll be busy no matter what but the idea idea here that I see is that when people show back up, show up again, they, I mean, I, when I was young, when I first started my camp, I was like 26 and there were children that signed up the first year that didn't really say a whole lot for the three weeks that I ran my camp. And at the end of the camp, I was like, huh, I wonder if that was good for them or whatever. And I remember one parent, one man, this dad, he came over to me and I was sitting at a picnic table and he said, Ricardo, when he came over to me after he picked up his son, I was like, oh no, he didn't have a good time. Uh, you know, I'm going to get yelled at or he's going to want me to mm-hmm. give his money back or whatever. But he came up to me and he was just like, I, my son took me all around the camp, showed me where we built shelters and took me everywhere and told me all about what we did. He goes, and he had like tears in his eyes and he said, my son hasn't said that much to me mm. in like three years. He goes, mm. for whatever reason, he just said, yeah, it was, you got, you gave me my son back. And and I was like 26. So I was just like, okay, cool. Like I, I was an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know what that impact was. I could feel it, but I didn't really get it until a few years later. But I just went, man, when people show back up, it's because that boy signed up. He was the first person to sign up the following year. As soon as it was immediately in the mail and back to me back in that day. Like he was not going to miss a spot to be there this year. And I didn't even yeah. know that kid had teeth because he never smiled once the entire yeah. time. I never knew that. Yeah. I was like, he probably doesn't smile because he has a missing tooth or something. But I was like, yeah. holy cow. But that 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 guy worked for me. That boy worked for me as a wilderness instructor for years. Awesome. That is he was awesome. just fantastic. So let me tell you, it's a big impact. 
And at the same time, like where are people going to go to get that experience that you're offering? Mm. There's just not that many opportunities mm. for people to gather, moms to gather, women to gather, men to gather, children and have those conversations. It's mm. yeah, you can go to a, a baseball game or I guess cricket over there or rugby or something. You can go there and you'll have, you can be at a pub and everybody's having fun. But it's just different and it meets those needs. Yeah, meetings, and so. it's just providing that choice because we yeah. do have a lot of, we're really lucky in this um, this city to have a lot of playgroups, incredible, really well-run, facilitated playgroups of families to come along to and kindergartens and childcare and all sorts. And this certainly doesn't try and compete with that. It's just another choice. Yeah, um, and I, that's again. It's just all led by what people are saying. So if someone says to me, "We just want more choice, and we need it at this time," and if there's enough people that say it, I'm just like, "Let's make it happen." Right, right. Why not? Why not? Just know? try. Yeah, just try it. And the, yeah, dads, grandpas, uncles. Yeah, predominantly mums, definitely mm. just by nature. But yeah, it's just it's. I have yeah, <laughs> I have to pinch myself because I'm like, why is it so easy? The hard bits are like packing the car at sunrise. That's not always fun. And like cleaning it all. I think a lot of people don't realise that forest school educators do. I don't know if I should speak for others, but there's a lot of behind the scenes. There's a lot of like preparation and thought goes into it. But the easy part is the, for me, is just that it works. Like I freak out and think it's not going to work. And then I come away going, that was way better than I expected because it, it is what it is. Yeah. I'll yeah. be planning and I'm like, we're going to do these things and then we're going to go on that walk and then we're going to learn about that tree and I've got this story I'm going to tell because I'm a bit traditional, like old school teacher style where you sing songs and yeah. it can be confused sometimes as being like I'm an entertainer and I don't want people to think that I do it. I, I, I'm not going <laughs> to. Not going to shy away from a good limelight moment, but generally I like to sing songs because it's just a natural way to bring people together. Play an instrument, sing songs, use puppets, that sort of stuff's really fun, especially with younger age group. But the easy side is that it always turns out better, better than I expected. And yeah. that's because people just bring so much to it and yeah. take it to levels that I'd never, and same with any, I'm sure people, I'm hoping people can relate to this. Like it's just the nature of outdoor play. It's just so limitless. It helps if you're modeling these things. Like if you're comfortable in your own skin, communicating, leading, sharing, and sharing things that, you know, like doing things like a puppet show with mm -hmm. puppets or whatever. I know I've done things like that where you can see the adults going back in their own childhood and mm -hmm. they're like, they're really watching you and you can mm -hmm. tell they're in that, uh, that other world. They're in the memory world and they are seeing something and they're getting that feeling of, wow, this is this was magical for me when I was five and I'm mm. seeing it now and I'm an adult, but I can also still see the magic. And I can mm. also see that my children are now getting that magic too. And it's it, it just is someone has to lead those things, take those emotional risks. And yeah, sometimes you might, maybe some activities fall flat because yeah. that's okay, because then they go, oh, yeah, that we didn't quite make it on that last thing. Oh, I've but, had plenty of moments. But so it's embarrassing. Okay. And, and that gives it's them fun. permission, right? That gives them permission to yeah. say, I'm going to take my kids and go do something. And I know parents that are like, I don't know if my kid would like that. And I'm like, who cares? You have to try. Yeah. You have to try, just go and try something. And even if and we go on walks with my son, he has a wheelchair and I'm like, Okay, we go somewhere and we're like, okay, we had to push his wheelchair through the mud and he's just like, what are we doing and why are we going here? And then mm -hmm. I and then that becomes something we have a memory of and we're like, oh yeah, let's not go to that place because it's not right for him. But it, yes. it but at least we tried as we didn't just sit at home and do the same old thing. So it's a big step to try something you're not comfortable with that might end up being the best thing you've done for a long time. So, yes. yeah, it's yeah. just that little step, that little leap of faith. Yeah, it's it's I, interesting I, you mentioned I, about like the bringing up old memories. And I think one thing I enjoy a lot actually in the community work that I do in an outdoor area, it's very fun. And it's, again, my teacher mm -hmm. training coming out a little bit. It's really fun, especially with children in that age group between two and seven where they're really fascinated by the make-believe side of things. Yes. And as I, again, don't need to explain, the natural world is just full of so many opportunities for pretend play. So it's just there could be fairies in the tree. There could be 
yeah. magic in the forest and the wind and right. it's, it's so like, exciting for children and it's like mm-hmm. really like real and I think mm-hmm. even as adults like I get have moments where I'm like I'm oh, sorry I keep hitting my microphone so I right. have moments where I'm like oh let's let's do this and get excited <laughs> and it's I wanted to link it back to the idea that people coming together it's almost like that we're on a little escape because you don't have your phone on, you're not checking emails yeah. and like your mind can slow down and just escape the real world for a little bit. Yeah. And just even though there's a lot of real world physicality to that play, there's a lot of like cold water and rocks and touching soil and sensory play. And But at the same time, your mind is like, ooh, maybe, maybe this mud pie is real. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to escape those daily thoughts and have a respite. Yes. Yeah, that's really true, 100%. And I know that inner world, that when you can actually have that inner kind of mythological world, and it, it gives you hope that in a way, I think we we want the magical, uh, we want the world to feel magical. Mm. We want the world to feel like there's something good and exciting and all that because- yes. If it's just, if it's like, an, I know a lot of adults that are like that. They're just like, man, I feel so jaded. I, everything yes. I tried, the economy's rigged against me, blah, all this stuff. It's all just like crushing down this sort of reality. Yeah. And at the same time, your puppet show or your storytelling or whatever, it's a little bit like going, okay, maybe for five minutes, I can be Christopher Robin with Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Maybe I can be the Lord of the Rings. Maybe I can be you know, fo- uh, what is it? Frog? Who was it? I forget what it was. Mole and toad or something from wind in the will yes. or whatever. So like yes. you have these moments where these animals or the landscape can actually come alive in your imagination. And you can just, I, I think that we relate to that because we've had hundred thousand years of no television mm-hmm. and had to do it ourselves. But when we're pushed to do it ourselves, it's just it feels so good, right? It feels so good oh, to do that. So it does. And it's I think it gives you a sense of hope as well. Because yeah. it's like when you were saying that, I was just thinking about imagine how boring it would be to not have an excitement about the imaginary world. Right. As we get older, we do it less and less. We're just not wired to do it as much. Yeah. But I love little things like I set up a, a little forest school space and the next day when I came back, um, everything had moved. And then I was just picturing in the night that there was like a party (laughs) and all these animals came out and they put music on and they were having a tea party and a disco. It's just fun. And it's fun to say to children, I wonder who came. And it's, oh, maybe it was, they just come up with their own... Exactly. It might have been you know, like why 12, did it change? Yeah, it might have been like 12 uh, 18 year olds or something, but I know. <laughs> just gotta pick up all the beer cans and then buy No, that. but actually it was just possums. There you go. Yeah. No, yeah. that's true. That's true. But yeah, well, it's just having fun with it. I think a sense of humor and good fun and it goes hand in hand with nature. Yeah. But you have a lot of diversity of cultures there where you live as well. So like that it must be really interesting to see and hear their way of seeing the world or their interpretation as they as the group kind of feels safe to share that so oh, that absolutely really it's incredible i think that's what i really enjoy about the fact that the programs that i run i it's hard because you can't reach everyone but i try and advertise it in a way that hopefully makes people feel safe regardless of their mm-hmm. background or language and their family structure Mm-hmm. So I really encourage people from all walks of life. And it doesn't always go how I think. Like it's not perfect picture all the time. Some people come for half an hour and go, yeah, nah, not for me. Right. And it might be because their child's uncomfortable. Sure. Um, it's just too different for them. And it might be cultural. It might be sensory. It might be just so many things. Yep. But in general, yeah, I think when people don't normally mix and then talk and then realize that they have more in common than they realized. Yeah. There's a nice moment where it's like, oh my gosh, you live in my street. I've never, ever talked to you before, but Mm -hmm. because you speak different language and have different routine and maybe go to a different church, it's you're never going to meet. So yeah, it's nice. And I probably don't have this fact straight, but I do recall someone saying that there were 219 languages in our immediate region. So super diverse. And I think also love the fact that there's such a lively and rich 
Indigenous culture. There's so many amazing people in my life that have taught me so many things um, from First Nations background. So elders mm-hmm. in the community and families and children, which I didn't get so much in Victoria in the South. I think Logan's really, yeah, really on a great path in that regard because, yeah, there's just strong leaders, especially with young people coming through and feeling more recognised and acknowledged for who what they do and what they bring and keeping language alive. So right. Yeah, it's incredible. It's so cool. And I just, yeah, just meet heaps of cool people. And I think people from different parts of the world will share a lot more than just say, yeah, if it was just a streamlined kind of experience where it was just a specific, if I made it like a specific thing, I try and keep it really broad for that reason. So if I made it really specific, I think I would limit the options. So people can just bring what they want. Really, I don't really have any restrictions and that's why I don't say it's a specific theme either. I love Christmas and Halloween and Easter. I love our traditions, but at the same time, I avoid promoting them because my themes, if there are going to be a theme, I would probably focus on like a season or right. maybe something that a child wants to do. So we had a little boy who wanted to have a party for his birthday. So we made him a big cake out of mud and sticks and made it like a bush party. <laughs> and he got yeah. to blow out the imaginary candles and that was his special time. And I didn't put that on the agenda. It just happened. And then if a family, there was one beautiful time where we did a lantern parade because it was a tradition in her family culture. So we made lanterns and walked through the bush at night. So many beautiful memories over the years. And I don't tend to do themes. I just see what people, what's important to them, what's meaningful to them, and then they can teach us and we do it that way. So it's not okay. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's not a particular day. It's just... try and make it more embedded like embedded practice rather than a token gesture um yeah yeah it sounds like what you're doing is really authentically driven because it's authentically driven and you're really inviting people to um bring something to the table and you and it's a sincere ask it's not or an invitation it's not a lot of times people will go oh yeah you can do whatever and then they have their own agenda and the agenda is just overridingly crushing everything else because to them it's so exciting which is okay in the long run too but it's sure it's not going to hurt anyone yeah but But it might culturally be offensive as well so it's like tricky because if you make it too one way Mm -hmm. you're excluding people so you're going to yeah, it's tricky. But then you can go celebrate one big thing and then someone comes along and goes, wow, I've never been to this before. I love yes. the fact that someone took the lead and showed us this wonderful celebration that they would never have done before on their own. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And you're good. Yeah, it's good all the way. It's I always think of any nature program as being a little bit like pizza, right? There's There's like really, there's like inexpensive pizza that you get when you're in college and the pizza's open 24 hours a day. And it's not that good, but it tastes good (laughs) at three in the morning. And then you have pizza that is family. It's like pretty good. And then there's frozen pizza. And then there's really expensive pizza, like in a brick oven at a really nice place. And you're spending $30 for a cheese pizza. You're like, what? But it's... But there's just everybody comes in at different places to have something good. And that's why I think in the long run, like the more programs we have, the better it is so that it gives people like that choice to find where they plug into and then get what they need. So that's that to me, that's what's great about this. And I love the fact that you're really um, making it free. You're finding a way to do it, to make it work. And you're you're just you're pioneering this it's not like it's set in stone of this is the way to do it but you're finding a way that works for you Mm. and then it will we're all evolving and trying to make it better so Mm. as the information comes back in we can adapt and go so I, i i just love this model and I know you also work with like schools as well and do other contracted I I do have to pay my bills. Yes. (laughs) I'm happy to work with schools and recently doing a lot of holiday programs. I'm not sure if you use that terminology there, but it's just when children are not at school, they go to vacation care and um, a lot of the schools have beautiful forest areas. So Mm -hmm. I go in and activate them and and dust them off and get them there. So it's been good and training for for educators in the evening sometimes and online training. So yeah, it's been good. You're going to be a jack of all trades in this field. I think it helps if you can reach people in different ways. Yes. 
That's really true. This has been awesome to just have you share this, like your slice of the world and everything. And I, as you've been sharing all these stories of things, I just have this image in my mind of probably just all made up, but I just think of all these different <laughs> cultures you have. And I think of like my experience when I was a kid and I lived in Los Angeles or whatever, and there's just, you know, my Mexican grandmother, and then there's someone, who's, <laughs> and then there's someone else who's Korean. And then there's in between, there's the beach hippies and the surfers and everyone. And I think... Yeah, I get a picture in my head of that diversity and you trying to provide something that just can enrich everyone in whatever way they might enjoy. And I just feel like that's so valuable. So I really love this. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ricardo. I really appreciate it. It's just so nice to talk about and and share in each other's knowledge. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing amazing work. And even that work where you go into a school and you just do a, a week long school break experience, like that can be really powerful for those children. When I did after school programs that were very short, mm -hmm. after three visits, those kids would mm -hmm. like, I would go, all right, next visit's my last visit. They would mm -hmm. start crying. And I go, why are you crying? You don't even know me. Like mm -hmm. I just, in my head, I'm just going, what is happening? But they felt like they knew me and they just yeah. were really appreciative. And they just were like, what? You're not going to come back till next year. And I could just see that they were like, they were hanging on the fact that of that experience, it was feeding them in such a way. And, yeah. and then I felt bad. I was like, oh yeah, can I go to that school five more times? Sometimes. I would love that if I ever have any goals. That's so inspiring because if I would ever have any goals, I would love to see that just as a regular weekly thing everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And with someone like yourself that is a trusted person, that child feels really close to and that would be the dream like yeah. how beautiful would it be that all schools had that chance to mm -hmm. have people that are dedicated to forest schooling that'd be incredible yeah no it's a really wonderful thing i think that what we're all creating yeah. and how we're and how we're pioneering a really a new model of education that is actually being really taken seriously by educators and, and educational systems, even though some of us are old school and we're like, they, those people don't understand. And I'm like, I think they do. <laughs> and I think they want what we're doing. So we just got to give it to them. So you're doing that. That's it. Trying my best one, one step at a time. <laughs> it must be pretty late there. I just want to say thank you so much for your time. And and please, I, I would be happy to collaborate with you on, on a course on any of this stuff it would be so much fun. So oh, you're too kind. Likewise. Hey, have a good rest of your summer. Don't stay cool. Will do. Thanks again. You bet. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator, nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.